when you're already kind of at maximum capacity, you choose the path of least resistance. The problem with always choosing the path of least resistance is if everyone on the team is always choosing the path of least resistance, information is getting sent and transmitted without any rhyme or reason from a million different places. And that causes what I like to call the scavenger hunt problem. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have an incredible individual with me today. He's a serial entrepreneur, an author, speaker, and consultant who's the co-founder of Leverage, which is an outsourcing platform for high-end freelancer, and he's the CEO of Efficient Frontier Solutions. Nick Sonnenberg has been a serial entrepreneur with a passion for numbers and a passion for creating companies that disrupt the way people live. We wanted to focus here on what are the ways we work? Are we being as efficient as we could? If you're working with a team, do you have the right technologies, processes, and ways of working that really make you focus on the impact, making all the work that you produce really feel like you are a team of superhumans? We're going to go deeper into this. And you should know that Nick is the co-author of a book, Idea to Execution. He's an active volunteer for nonprofit Defy Ventures. He provides entrepreneurial coaching for the youth. And then for this, we're going to go deeper into his amazing topic. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nick, this is incredible. This is the second time we chat, actually. I know we were having quick conversations and we're getting deeper into, you know, what are the things you've been working with? And, you know, the whole leverage company that you've co-founded has been actually really working with companies to help them become more efficient. And just before we started chatting, we asked our live audience here that tunes in as Valley members, where do they think they landed in their level of efficiencies? And I was surprised with your answer because most people answered four to seven, but you had something to share as insight. I wanted to start there. <laughs> well, you can never be too efficient, right? And I was saying before the show, we live and breathe this stuff at Leverage. We have people just dedicated to testing tools, testing new ways of thinking about how to use the tools. We have experts across the board in productivity and different facets of it. And I probably would rate us as an eight because I know that there's so much more that can be improved. There's still so much inefficiency that every day we're cleaning up. So the rating of four to seven, I was just making the comment that's the typical range that we see people giving themselves when we ask the same question. But usually when we look under the hood and we work with people, it's probably a, a two or a three. Wow. So that means there's a lot of potential for improvement for most of the people that are listening in. So definitely pay attention. And that brings me to the follow-up question, which is your own passion. Like you decide to be someone obsessed with, you know, productivity, with execution. Where did that start? What makes you so excited about this process? Well, from a young age, I was always kind of obsessed with time. It's the most valuable resource. You can't get it back. And like, even in college, I graduated a year early, not because that was the ultimate goal, but like, I was just looking at the catalog and like, what course is going to knock out the most GEs in one shot? And before I knew it, I graduated early. But really what happened was before this, I was a high frequency trader on Wall Street. And as a high frequency trader, you're basically creating algorithms, coding computers to trade stocks at super high frequencies, you know, we're looking at nanoseconds, and we would trade billions of dollars a day, based on the math that we'd create. So in that job, I directly saw the impact of, you know, how much a microsecond could literally change. And we're literally looking all day long through like a microscope, 
how do we shave off a microsecond in this process or in how the algorithm works? So, you know, that's kind of where I developed kind of this way of looking at the world. And I look at business kind of through the same lens where I'm not trying to look for a 10 hour time saving. It's pretty hard to find those, but I'm celebrating a one second win, a five second win. And I'll typically be able to find, you know, hundreds or thousands of those. And then that stacks up and becomes something meaningful. Typically though, if you, you know, are new to this kind of framework and concept, and usually a lot of people have quite a lot of low hanging fruit. So usually there is three to five hours a week per person in a team that's really easy to find. But then after that, we're really looking kind of in a very granular way. How do we make micro improvements? Uh, So it's almost like those marginally decreasing returns. But if people are tuning in here, most of them, I have a feeling, can take advantage of the very high efficiency benefits that come from the small actions you can do at the beginning. So let's dive into what happens. Like you work with these companies, you jump in. What is it that you typically see that makes it so that most of these companies operate? have some level of success, but in your mind, you still see it that there's only a two out of 10 in their efficiency. What's going on? So I've thought a lot about this and I'm actually writing a book about this. That's coming out later this year called Come Up For Air, How Your Team Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning in Work. The title of the book is that because when you ask someone how things are going, you know, typically you've heard it too. I'm drowning in work. I'm underwater. I'm overwhelmed. I have all this stuff to do. I'm so busy. The root cause is a mindset cause, and that's basically 100% of businesses are optimizing for the wrong thing. They optimize for speed of transfer of information rather than speed of retrieval of information. And if you stop for a second and just think about what I said, that really completely changes the strategy of how a business operates. And the reason why companies are optimizing for speed of transfer. And it's logical why they do that. Because if you're already underwater and working 80 hours a week and not getting enough sleep, you know, and you're in your WhatsApp and you have an idea you want to send to a colleague, what's easier to just hit the send button in WhatsApp or to leave that app, open up another app and do it there, right? So when you're already kind of at maximum capacity, you choose the path of least resistance. The problem with always choosing the path of least resistance is if everyone on the team is always choosing the path of least resistance, information is getting sent and transmitted without any rhyme or reason from a million different places. And that causes what I like to call the scavenger hunt problem. It accumulates operational debt. And then, you know, if I have to go and look up, what did Jason tell me three months ago about this project? I don't know if I need to look in text and WhatsApp and a group text and an email and Slack and Asana, right? Because there's no logic and there's no strategy. It could be literally, it's random and it could be anywhere. And that's because people are optimizing for the wrong thing for the speed of transfer. So we have developed a framework which helps guide people in terms of how to think about different tools, when to use different tools, how to use those tools. We're tool agnostic. It's really more conceptual. And we found from working with small two-person gas and water leak detection companies up to, you know, multi-multi-billion dollar companies, at the end of the day, everyone has the same requirements to operate. And that's our framework. It's called CPR, and that's the core of the book. And that stands for Communicate, Plan, and Resource. I don't care if you are a vet hospital, a cryptocurrency company, or a poop spray. You need to communicate internally and externally. You need to manage tasks and projects. That's the plan. 
And then resource is all about your proprietary knowledge. You have SOPs and processes that guide and run your business. Payroll is a process. Onboarding team members is a process. Pretty much no businesses that we've ever engaged with do a good job at that part. But at a higher level, understanding those are the kind of three major buckets that every business needs and understanding when information should live in each of those buckets. And then step two is, okay, now I understand how to think about email. It's an it's for external communication. It's basically a to-do list that other people can add to. Great. Well, now let's show you how to actually use email properly and get to inbox zero. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Now, I was going to ask because I'm hearing this and there's like, all right, this sounds fun, but I also understand humans are a little tricky, right? You're asking us to change our methods and change can be a little hard, especially if the processes within the culture of the company have been ingrained. And I can just think back in the times when I was working full-time at Valley, the problems you described with this WhatsApp flying all over the place definitely went through that trap. So I'd be curious to just start from where does this change bring us so we can maybe feel more inspired about this change. So when you go into a company, you identify these problems. What does the situation look like once you've made some of the changes that you usually suggest? Typically, on average, within a few months, we're saving everyone in the company five hours a week at least. That's on average. Obviously, there's a variance, right? Sometimes it's much more. Sometimes it might be three. But you're totally right. The hardest part of this stuff is the mindset. It's like telling someone, hey, you brush your teeth with your right hand and now I want you to brush it with your left hand, especially with email, right? Because that has been around for decades and people have developed bad behavior that they've just gotten accustomed to. So that is a challenge. Our way of attacking that is when we work with people, we typically start with a roadmap, which basically sees where their business stands from those three buckets. And then we come up with a prioritized list, what to do kind of first, second, third. And that's very strategic so that we can have some quick wins, save them time, get them to trust us. And then we're kind of playing with house chips at that point. If we can immediately save you two hours a week, well then, okay, that was pretty cool. And like a week, we're already saving a couple hours. All right, maybe we can trust these guys. And then it's like, okay, well, how about the two hours that we just saved you spend more time with us? And, you know, you're kind of time investment neutral, and then we'll continue to roll out the other stuff. It's kind of like return on investment. It's like return on time and compound interest in finance. Like we're trying to do that, but apply it to time. So we save you an hour, reinvest that back. We're going to now work with you another couple of weeks. We'll get it to an hour and a half. And now give us back that hour and a half and we'll work with you and we'll optimize this process or this, this SOP and, and we'll get you to two hours. And so it's this constant kind of, snowball effect where we're just trying to one by one have them reinvest the time back into the next thing but we're very strategic with what we do some things are very quick wins some things are very important but it's going to take a longer time to realize a return on time so you have to take all this into account and one kind of general tip is you don't want to do a bunch of things simultaneously we focus mm -hmm. on kind of one problem solve one problem because you don't get value out of a new tool or a new way of using it unless you're using it to a certain degree of efficiency. And it's not about the tool. We could tell you what the right tool is, but if you're not using it right, it could hurt your productivity, then help your productivity. So we really try to do it sequentially and one by one in a strategic way to make sure that um, people are trusting us, but also getting that time savings that we can then start playing with on the next thing. 
See, I'm that guilty guy. I've had so many times that I was like, hey, I think I know how to solve this problem. Let's get this technology. And now all our problems are going to go away. Rarely has that been the case. Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. Now, obviously I'm listening to this. I know all the people who are listening to this are like, okay, this sounds great. I definitely want to get back some time. What are some of the quick wins we could be able to share with the people here that might be something that they could apply instantly, such as you're talking a lot about inefficient email use. What are the biggest mistakes people typically make? And what's a quick thing that we could look into doing differently that would help us? So understanding when to use, well, even before email, right? You have that CPR framework. The example that I like to use with people, because most people don't even understand what is a communication tool and when should you use a communication tool. Email is one type of communication tool. So imagine you were going to go camping in the forest with your team. You would need walkie-talkies to communicate, but you would also need a map to navigate out of the forest. So email and text message and WhatsApp and Microsoft Teams and Slack, these all fall into the category of communication. These are your walkie-talkies. It should be used for chatting. You know, what are you doing this Friday? Did you see this? Et cetera. It's different than your map. And most people are intermixing their walkie-talkie and their map. So anything which is like a task, like, hey, Jason, can you create this report by Friday? Most people are putting that into a walkie-talkie. It should live in a map. So a map is a project management tool. That's like Asana or Monday or Trello or Basecamp or Rike. There's a bunch of them. Typically, there are you know, maybe 10% difference between some of these. Some of it's just personal preference. The biggest impact, though, is to understand when information should go in that tool versus inside of a communication tool. But then within communication tools, you have internal and external communication. So what you could do right now, if you haven't ever heard of something like Slack or Microsoft Teams, these are tools specifically built for internal communication. Even if you don't use it properly, just separating where you internally communicate versus where you talk to clients and vendors versus where you talk to personal friends and your husband, your wife, et cetera, just by separating it into those buckets, even if you still aren't using them right, you're already starting to improve that speed of retrieval because then you could say, oh, what did this client tell me? Okay, I know that the email is the place for that. Or what did my team member tell me about payroll being late this week? Okay, that's internal. Most likely that's going to live somewhere in Slack. So at least you start knowing where to look, right? But you could do much better and you could actually use the tools right. And with email, you could get to inbox zero. And we have a framework to help people do that. But by the way, the best way to get to inbox zero is email zero. So by separating out internal communication and the internal, separating 
anything that's actionable where you want to capture the state and hold people accountable. And, you know, Jason, get me that report by Friday, putting that in the project management tool by putting things in the buckets that they belong. It helps you get to inbox zero faster because you're getting more to email zero. Now you could argue, okay, well, you're just shifting crap from one place to crap to another, but at least you're making it easier to retrieve the information you're looking for. But with all of these tools, most people get hung up. Oh, I heard Asana is better than Monday, or I heard that Outlook is better than Gmail. You know, every business is different and so much goes into what the right tool is for a business. You know, how tech savvy is the team? What's the current tech stack? What's going to change in the business that we might not be foreseeing or thinking about or discussing right now? And switching cost is high. But what I can tell you is most of the time, the biggest lift is just understanding when and using one of them properly. And it's marginal. You know, you could be very successful with Monday just as much as Asana, but more likely than not, you're going to not be successful with the tool, not because of the tool, but because you're not knowing when and how to use the tool. That's a very powerful lesson. And thank you for that separation thing. I, I have to bring up the idea because I've witnessed this before where the leadership team, for example, or someone that's very high, if you're your manager, has that path of least resistance to pass information. And they might be the hardest one to change their behavior. Because now you're telling, you know, let's say for me, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm working on a team, I'm like, this is great, we should separate internal, external and personal communication. So you can have different buckets. But there's some habits I need to break from my higher up. And then I have to teach them how to brush their teeth with their left hand. How do you usually get buy in from leadership when you want to bring these kinds of changes? It always starts from the top. Complexity scales exponentially with team size. So a lot of these managers, they're already in pain and their time is super valuable. So you make the argument, you know, what's your hourly rate worth, you think? $200 an hour, 500, whatever, whatever it is. Okay, great. Well, so five hours a week, if we look at that over the course of a year, we're talking, you know, quarter million, half million dollars just for you. That's not even talking about the rest of the team. So you, you try to translate the time savings into a dollar amount. But also what people don't realize is the knee-jerk reaction to these things to solve the inefficiency problem. Most people don't even look at it as an inefficiency. They just say, oh, we have so much work to do. We don't have enough capability or capacity. And then what their solution typically is to hire more people versus they probably aren't even getting 50% out of the team that they currently have. And hiring people is really the last resort. And so you make this argument, you know, what does it cost? It's not just a salary, it's your time investment in the recruiting aspect. Then you have to onboard them and you're not going to really get that much quality work out of them for three to six months while they're learning stuff. But then also every body you throw into your team adds exponential complexity to how you communicate. So I have this graph that I'm happy to show or share later, but every node that you add like if you're a five-person team, there's 10 ways to connect. I believe if you're a 14-person team, it's already at 91 ways to connect. And if you're like a 100-person team, it's something like 4,950 ways to connect. So you can see as you start growing, it's not linear, it's exponential. And so part of the issue that people have is they've been adding more bodies to solve the problem by brute force. And that's added complexity. And the bigger your team, the harder it is to implement any change, whether it's operational efficiency, whether it's how to communicate or culture things, any change that you make to a larger team is harder than it is to a smaller team. 
And so those are the types of conversations that we have with people. But I won't work with someone if they think that they're too good to follow the system and they just want it for their team, but they want to follow their old ways. This stuff only works if there's alignment, right? Mm -hmm. You can't scale this strategy where it's like, okay, well, Jason is a C-level executive and Jason prefers WhatsApp. And (laughs) Nick is a C-level executive and he prefers Slack. And this person prefers, and then you have to keep track of actually like adding new tools just hurts you because now you have to keep track of one other place where you have to monitor people's preferences. So you really have to have buy-in from the top down and Mm. everyone has to follow this. It's not that people get excluded. I love it. Nick, these are powerful ideas and I'm hoping for people listening in, they're realizing that it's not necessarily the technology that we feel is going to be making the solution that we're looking for. It's really about what are the processes in the place. And I think this is a really important aspect is really getting that manager and leader buy-in. And the fact that you give this example, this question, which is really actually probably supporting the ego of the executive that's in place, which is making them realize how much their time is worth and making them acknowledge that if they can get more of their own time, that they can actually be more efficient. And I think we have to not fail to recognize, as you said, that people that are in leadership position and managerial position are having this feeling of overwhelm as well. They feel like the passing of information is what's making them more efficient, but we're presenting in them a better way. I think that's super crucial. Totally. And also the argument for this stuff is not just the time savings and the cost savings. I mean, this also greatly impacts culture. No one likes chasing people. You know, communication is the response you get, not send. So if you're asking people to do things or updating and no one's acknowledging you and, you know, that's not communication, you know, so when things slip through the cracks and you have to chase people, that's not the type of work that people like to do. That's where friction slowly starts building up. And it starts impacting culture. So the main argument is the time savings translated into dollars, but this stuff really impacts culture. People don't have to chase. People feel heard. You don't have to send a message in three places because you're not confident that people are looking at it. And it reduces anxiety. And then that frees up people's time to work on things that give them more joy or tap into their unique ability within their job. I love it. Nick, we're looking forward for that book to be out. I know it's coming out later in the year, but for now, for people tuning in, you just got a ton of insights that you can start applying right now. I think one of the biggest things here is looking at things in those three different buckets being like the internal, external, and personal, making sure there's some separation in that communication, having that big mindset shift, which is not about sending out information and the speed of how you can send out information or communicate, but rather how fast can you retrieve the information you need in the time that you need it is one of the biggest mindset shifts you can make immediately So you can start looking at systems and processes you have within your organization differently. Because when you start looking at that way, you start really striving for the types of efficiencies that you should be looking at. And of course, I want to acknowledge that if you're growing your business, you'll realize the more people you add to the team, as Nick was saying, that level of a complexity is going to exponentially go up. So if you keep a pulse on separating these things, using the tools that we talked about, looking at the categorizations that you want to make sure that when you communicate, it's not about getting that new tool, the marginal difference in their efficiencies is going to be minimal, as opposed to actually being able to do it in the right way, using the right processes. And you'll see that you'll be able to move from that two out of 10 to at least moving to a higher up, maybe all the way up to an eight, like Nick said. But I love that Nick even self-assesses himself as an eight. 
because it really speaks to the fact that we're living in exponential times. Technology is moving fast. Everything's changing. And so as you start putting these efficient processes in place, there's always going to be more to improve. There's some basics you can get started. And if you've never done this before, know that the improvements you're going to get at the beginning are definitely going to be worth your time. And for every hour you save, look at new ways you can save even more so you can make yourself a great investment in the way that you execute within your workplace. Nick, Thank you so much for your time. This was valuable information for everybody tuning in. Take a moment, go and do a little audit for yourself and see if there's some quick changes you can implement yourself based on what we learned here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast.